0: Before there was Miss Marple, Mrs Bradley or Harriet Vane, there was Amelia Butterworth, Dorcas Dean and Loveday Brooke. Although Victorian detective fiction is most associated with a male character who tends to overshadow all else, Sherlock Holmes, there was a thriving tradition of women detectives among 19th century authors. Some of the lady sleuths I mentioned there were employed directly by the police while others worked for private agencies or entirely on their own. What they all have in common, though, is irrepressible confidence and a desire for adventure. They track down murderers, foil thefts, trail criminals in disguise, travel the world in pursuit of suspects, and altogether solve mysteries in a highly entertaining way. If you've ever enjoyed a 20th century whodunit where a woman takes the lead on the investigation, as a professional or as an amateur, then you've partaken in a tradition that has its roots in the swashbuckling lady sleuths of the 1800s. That's why, today, we're going to meet Detective Fiction's Victorian pioneers. Welcome to a new year of She Done It. I'm Caroline Crampton. Two points of housekeeping before I get into the episode proper. First, a reminder that if you'd like to listen to the podcast without adverts or interruptions, you can become a member of the She Done It book club for £5 a month or £50 a year and receive a private podcast feed of ad-free versions as well as bonus episodes. Secondly, if you can get to the UK on the 1st of February and would like to see me performing a live episode called A Complete History of Detective Fiction, Sort Of, I will be doing that at the Pod UK Convention in Birmingham at 2.30pm. Secure your ticket for my show at shedonitshowcom events and that also gets you into the whole day of podcast live shows. I'll also have a table in the foyer all day where you can come and say hello and buy a she-done-it pin badge. Hopefully see you there. Now, back to the 19th century. The title of First Detective Story is a disputed one. It's probably most often awarded to Edgar Allan Poe's The Murders in the Rue Morgue, a short story first published in 1841 that sees a sleuth, C. Auguste Dupin, solve a case using ratiocination, or a process of deductive reasoning. Charles Dickens's Bleak House from 1853 was the first Western novel to include an investigation by a police detective, I think, although Inspector Bucket's murder investigation is very much a minor plot. It's Wilkie Collins, though, who usually takes the honours for the first proper detective novel, with 1868's The Moonstone. T.S. Eliot certainly thought it so anyway. There are other possible contenders too, but the point is that those middle decades of the 19th century is when the idea of a story propelled by this new figure of the detective, who investigates and resolves a crime over the course of the story, really took hold. Something that all of these early whodunits have in common, though, is that their central sleuths are men which, given the time that they come from, isn't that surprising. Married women in Britain couldn't even legally own property until 1882, let alone catch criminals. No wonder 19th century detection, like so many other professions at the time, both in fiction and reality, were the sole preserve of men. That's certainly what I thought, until I started researching this topic more thoroughly, and found out how wrong I was.
1: In the 1860s, there are a couple of lady detectives who who just appear. There's one, Mrs. Pascal, there's one named Mrs. G., and these are the earliest. Suddenly, there are these very capable characters who use their natural feminine intuition and other qualities to solve crimes on behalf of society, to fix problems on a grand scale.
0: This is Olivia Rettigliano a writer and researcher who is currently finishing a PhD on The Detective in 19th Century Entertainment at Columbia University in New York. The surprising thing about Victorian women detectives, she says, is not that they're rare. It's that there are so many of them. I think a lot
1: of people think that a 19th century female Sherlock Holmes would be a sort of one-off, a sort of rare occurrence an exciting moment in the Victorian era. But the fact that there were so many, I think, speaks to a very overwhelming interest in having female characters do the kind of exciting work that the male detective characters of the age um, got to do. And certainly there were very, very many male detectives.
0: In real life, detectives were a relatively new innovation. The Metropolitan Police Service in London was founded in 1829 and a detective bureau was added in 1842. But it wasn't until 1919 that the first woman was officially hired as a police officer in the UK. Women weren't allowed to make arrests until 1923. The women detectives of 19th century fiction, then, were complete fantasies. Their real-life counterparts wouldn't arrive until the next century. The academic Joseph A. Kestner once wrote that the existence of fictional lady detectives, quote, constituted a profound fantasy of female empowerment. It's a phenomenon, though, that expresses the tumultuous, overlapping changes that were occurring at the time to women's societal roles, Olivia says.
1: Some of the later lady detectives, the ones who emerged in the 1880s through the early 20th century, as coinciding with a phenomenon that prioritises women's advancement politically and socially, while there are suffragettes marching for the right to vote, and while women are entering the workforce.
0: The women detectives are part of a larger embodiment of this trend in popular culture, especially fiction.
1: There's a body of literature classified as new woman literature. The new woman is the the sort of bicycle-riding, bloomer-wearing, progressive, young woman who emerges as an archetype, but based in reality circa the turn of the century. There's a lot of literature about women who get abortions, women who work in professional capacities and who deal with sort of resistance society has to progress and sort of iconoclasm
0: and difference. And so the lady detective literature sort of seems to be swept up in that. It also expresses the contemporary thinking about gender in other respects. The perceived differences between men and women are an important aspect of how these women detective characters are conceived, as we'll see later. Here's Olivia with an example from Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula, which she considers to be essentially a detective novel, with Mina Harker acting as the main investigator.
1: There's a fascinating moment in Dracula where Van Helsing is talking about how the vampire has a child brain, and then he breaks off to say that, that Mina, the woman who performs the detective function in Dracula, actually has like a man brain, um, which, is, which is pretty rare. And Everyone's like, oh yeah, Mina definitely has a man brain. How all of these different factors and these anxieties about these questions were represented in the female detective character, who is, to me, this hallmark of, you know, questions about female potential just sort of trying to burst out of this, out
0: of this sort of murky shell. Of course, grappling with ideas of a woman's role and potential is not unique to detective fiction. There are plenty of interesting female heroines in other types of literature, too.
1: You know, criticism of Jane Eyre and gothic literature, you know in which there are female heroines who do also investigative work um, to certain degrees, criticism of that also exists then. Um, there's always been a pushback against these sort of um, strong female protagonists, what we might call in the age of Netflix, the strong female lead. This character has been around for a very long time, but in the Victorian era, with the specific profession of the detective, um, there seems to be a way um, in which all of these things that people have been wondering about women um, sort of emerge in its most vibrant and groundbreaking forms. So, yeah, so these qualities had been percolating in literature, in women's focus or sensation or Gothic literature for a long time, but in this, this moment, when the detective character emerges, this is when it all sort of comes to a head.
0: One of the catalysts for this is the rise of women's education. At the same time as these women detectives were first appearing in print, women students were campaigning to be allowed to study at universities for the first time, with the aim of entering professions that were previously only open to men. This all feeds into the detective fiction, too.
1: As women are marching for the right to vote, and as they are attempting to enter the workforce in more competitive capacities, as journalists and in other related fields, and as they are certainly educating themselves, it stands to reason that there be a literature of support surrounding this.
0: There's a sense in some of these stories that some of these women detectives have outpaced society. They've managed to acquire a high level of education and accomplishment, but there's not really any jobs available that they can respectably do. So the writers of fiction come up with the perfect solution. The over-educated young woman should become a detective.
1: These lady detective characters are incredible, very smart, very accomplished young women who are looking for places to use their exemplary skills and their wonderful educations but also who are looking for social opportunities that are less restrictive. So Grant Allen's Lois Cayley is a young woman, I believe with a Cambridge degree, who graduates penniless, but has a spirit for adventure and becomes a bicycle saleswoman throughout Europe and embarks on a series of adventures that um, require her deductive skills. And she solves mysteries and falls in love. And um, there's this really wonderful unconventional social narrative accompanying that. The detective profession seems to be a place for these women to use their exemplary skills, which given the barriers women face in society at this time um, are somewhat useless. A woman who graduates with a university degree and then goes to work in some sort of capacity that won't fulfill that education will have skills that are that are deemed excessive. Um, so the detective profession puts those skills to use in a way that is really exciting um, and progressive.
0: There are lots of examples of this. Dora Merle, created by the Irish lawyer and politician M. Macdonald Bodkin, first appears in a collection of short stories in 1900. She's a medical doctor with a maths degree from Cambridge, which is a fantasy in itself, since women were not awarded full degrees by that university until 1948. Dora can't find work as a woman doctor, So she becomes a private detective, riding a bicycle and carrying a gun. Hilda Wade, created by Grant Allen, is a brilliant nurse who solves medical mysteries because advancing further in her main profession is very difficult. And then there's Mina Harker, a talented schoolteacher who keeps the plot of Dracula advancing with the sheer force of her logical brain.
1: So in in all of these books, um, specifically detective fiction, and then the ones that are sort of on the fringes of detective fiction, including Dracula, there are these very well educated, very clever, problem solving, and keen women who um, move the narratives forward. Uh, so so education or like investment in educating oneself is a big shared trait of the lady detectives of this time.
0: And there'll be more on that after the break. In History's Secret Heroes, Helena Bonham Carter shines a light on extraordinary stories from World War II. This is a series that tells the tales from the Second World War that are unjustly less well-known than the oft-repeated histories of that time. Personally, I tend to default to the position that military history, or the history of wars as it is usually told, is just not for me. But diving into this series has shown me that I can be wrong about that, and that maybe I just haven't been experiencing the right sort of history. Took advantage of her health condition to join the resistance and become one of the most consequential spies of world war ii i'm especially drawn to stories about code breaking as i love puzzles and to me it often feels like the real life counterpart to solving a mystery i loved the episode called the unbreakable navajo code about a group of native american soldiers who devised a code for the allies use and i also really enjoyed the one about emily anderson an irish cryptanalyst who worked both at bletchley park in the uk and then in cairo to decrypt vital intelligence Helena Bonham Carter voices all of these episodes in a way that makes you feel like they're just being whispered directly into your ear by someone who really knows how to tell a dramatic tale to full effect. There are experts interviewed, but also friends, family members, and witnesses, so each story feels personal and intimate, as well as historically significant. Episodes will be released on Mondays, wherever you get your podcasts. But if you're in the UK, you can listen to the full series now, first on BBC Sounds. Although the changes to women's role in society helped to create the conditions that produced Victorian fiction's women detectives, the characters aren't just empty political ciphers. There's far more to them than that. Many of the best ones, like my personal favourite, C.L. Love Loveday Brooke, are fully fleshed-out professionals, with as many skills, techniques and quirks as their male counterparts. Something that many of these characters have in common, though, is what the authors tend to call women's intuition. The idea that women have the innate skill to divine things about their surroundings just because they are women. All of these
1: lady detectives are also able to do their work because of this quality, this abstract quality called women's intuition. And like, no one seems to know what to do with this except that a bunch of female detective characters are able to almost psychically understand. When there's a situation where something has gone wrong or some information has gone awry or that someone is an unsavory character. Hilda Wade in particular is discussed as having women's intuition that is so strong it's actually jokingly, or maybe not jokingly, referred to by another male character as um, being witchcraft. She's so Mm -hmm. spot on. She's so incisive and able to figure out just sort of exactly who somebody is.
0: If this sounds familiar to you, That's because the megastar detective of Victorian fiction does it rather a lot himself.
1: Sherlock Holmes can look at you and tell you, you know, um, your job, you know, what you ate in the last 24 hours, what kind of person you are, why you're coming to his door to inquire about his services, et cetera, et cetera. And that's referred to as being highly calculating and deductive, right? It's it's sort of a scientific mode of inquiry. Whereas a woman can sort of, a a woman in in that position can tell you everything about you as well, but it's given this much more emotional quality than a thoughtful or cognitive quality. Even And Hilda Wade and Sherlock Holmes are basically doing the exact same thing. But the way it's construed is, is particularly gendered so that women sort of get, the female characters sort of seem to get the softer explanation.
0: When a male detective displays this kind of extraordinary perception, it's an impressive deductive skill. But for the woman, it's just intuition. For all that these characters originate in a time of progress and change, there's still a lot of prejudice and limitation placed upon them. This frequently occurs in their origin stories. Only rarely do these women become detectives because it seems like a fun choice of profession, or because they think they can excel at it. No, a respectable woman can only do this because all other options are closed to her. Most likely because of a sudden reversal of fortune or a personal tragedy.
1: There are a couple lady detectives who sort of wind up in the profession because they can't be stay at home domestic figures. Someone's husband dies, Dorcas Dean's husband goes blind, a fiancé has been shot. So there are these women um, who wind up in the detective profession, sort of need a way to earn money, and they, society sort of justifies their entering the workforce because they have to be the sole breadwinners.
0: There are some, though, who are detectives by choice alone.
1: But then there are other characters like Lois Cayley, for example, and Judith Lee, who are unattached. You know, Madeline Mack also, like a a beautiful, um, alluring, exciting lady detective um, who's not held back by these domestic constraints in a way that is very exciting. And, you know, these lady detectives sort of have a bit in common with Nancy Drew when it starts to get to this point, right? Like Madeline Mack is able to um, take down these, you know, criminals. She's brilliant, she's gorgeous, and she never breaks a nail while she's taking care of all this business.
0: Some of these perceived limitations and the emphasis on respectability stems from the fact that many of these stories about women detectives are written by men, who are simultaneously enchanted by the potential of progress, but also still reflecting their attachment to the status quo in their characters. A major way this comes out is in how many of these characters end their detective careers when they get an offer of marriage. Here's Olivia again.
1: I would say that a lot of the lady detective characters who are written by men um, are sort of you know, <laughs> sort of extra unrealistic. Um, they don't want to transgress social mores too much. And they'll stop doing detective work, for example, as soon as they get married or find someone to provide for them. Both Lois Cayley and Hilda Wade, who were both written by Grant Allen, science writer and friend of Arthur Conan Doyle, are quick to end their swashbuckling adventures and cross-country exploits when they have an opportunity to marry someone.
0: The women detectives are revolutionary in their way, but they're also a product of the time in which they were created.
1: I think the lady detective character captures is really tough double bind of being a woman in, that, in this particular historical moment. They're able to have a kind of freedom that women do not normally have. But also, they're restrained from doing too much of that.
0: These lady sleuths, though, laid the foundation for what was to follow. In fact, if you think about it, one of the most famous female detectives of the Golden Age between the World Wars... even have overlapped with the likes of Dora Merle.
1: Miss Marple is herself an older woman when she emerges in the Agatha Christie canon, right? Um, So she's, you know, she actually might be of this generation, like the tail end of the generation. But you know, you can imagine a sort of young Miss Marple solving crimes alongside a late Victorian lady detective character like Judith Lee. I think that the character of Miss Marple sort of allows for this generational transition
0: The Victorian women detective characters didn't die out so much as just morph and change into something new as the world changed. The idea of the woman sleuth as we see her today in countless modern crime novels and TV shows was born in that era of bloomers and bicycles and shaped by the lady detectives of the 1920s and 30s.
1: Thinking about Miss Markle as maybe having career flashbacks to the sort of the burgeoning heyday of Victorian lady detective fiction. Allows us to see this as being a very long process, a very long transition of, of women becoming these kind of characters more and more. I mean, Harriet Vane is an exciting sort of new type of woman. I mean, she's 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 not a flapper, but she's she's a 20th century woman in a way that Miss Marple seems to be hanging on to a previous generation, like literally just by existing because she's older. It's time to hand the baton to the next legion of lady detectives
0: if you're wondering why you've never heard of the likes of dora merle lois cayley or mrs pascal the answer is just that an awful lot of these stories and novels have yet to be re-released in modern editions you can find plenty of the stories collected in anthologies penguin have done a couple of good ones and there's another called the dead witness i would recommend but you have to go looking for them whereas if you're at all interested in crime fiction you'll trip over a Sherlock Holmes-related story, film or episode every time you turn around. These Victorian lady sleuths are worth seeking out, though. Both because they're just tremendous fun in their own right, and for what they tell us as the ancestors of our favourite women detectives of later generations.
1: I think our culture is primed to receive these lady detectives, but I don't think I know too, the, the culture knows too much about them yet. The world needs this. We've had a lot of Irene Adler adaptations, and now we need, we need the other ladies to take centre stage.
0: They're all there, waiting for you. Bodices, bicycles, and all. This episode of She Done It was written and narrated by me, Caroline Crampton. You can find out more about the podcast and everything it covers at shedoneitshow.com, where there are also transcripts of every episode. She Done It is edited by Ewan McAleese. Production assistance from Leandra Griffith. Member support for the She Done It Book Club from Connor McLaughlin. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Next time on She Done It, teaching sleuthing.